Top Hill Recording Podcast Season 2, Neil Johnstone. Hey, man, can you believe it? We made it. I can't. We're so, actually back. So Season 1 was 16 episodes cut off by COVID-19. Oh. Now I guess we're through the bulk of that, and we are back tonight for Season 2, Episode 1 with Sharon Smith-Weston. Thanks for joining us, Aunt Sharon. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. First thing I'd like to tell you all is... I really, really want to thank you and Neil for allowing me to tell my story because up until this time, I have never, ever told my story wholly to anyone else. To no no one. You guys are the first. Ooh, that's exciting. So you mean literally you've never told this to anyone? He comes the closest talking about my husband. So he might hear some things he's never heard. Well... Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. it's, well, after after uh, being married as long as you have, it's always nice to learn new things. Keep, keep it fresh. If we have any new listeners, season one, you can go back and listen to the Andy Weston episode. That's my, my uncle, my dad's oldest brother. We had him uncle in Butch. the first season. Uncle Butch, yep. <laughs> and now we have uh, his wife, my Aunt Sharon. I guess I say Aunt Sharon in case there's people out there that don't know what I'm talking about when I say aunt. You know, people, people that Auntie. insist to say it incorrectly. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're glad you're here. Well, so. thank you. I'm glad I'm here, too. I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's, it's just good to be in the studio again, your fresh face. We've been talking about getting you in here since probably third or fourth episode. Yeah. So it's awesome to actually get you here. So, Neil. So cool. You broke your foot while we were out. Uh grilling man <laughs> grilling hot dogs don't do that it's dangerous wow just yeah. stupid luck it's yeah. been the dumbest injury and the longest recovery and i don't know how much who knows who knows how much longer it's going to be it takes longer to recover now you know you're I'm are you age. over 40 i am 40 no i'm you 40 are 40 okay. but i'll take over 40 i like it yeah i got the gray beard to show for it that's that's, that's <laughs> the thing man like every stage of life is better than the previous i think so has been for me is that true for you guys too oh yeah yeah we're at this stage where uh finally getting on top of things in life to where you're you're you kind of not that you figure it out because i don't know if you ever really figure it out but at the same time you get all right you can finally take a breath you, you your house looks decent yeah you, you know you we just got uh well kim just got done painting <laughs> it's, it's it's nice she it, did a good job she did good yeah yeah <laughs> so we're back for season two i hope we uh i hope we pick up some new listeners we ended up doing like we said 16 episodes since that happened in season one i'm thinking we ought to just keep that our season length we'll do uh 16 episodes again and call that season two we've talked about adding the top hill sessions yeah doing, doing some live recording and putting that out there and you know, Neil, like I told you, I think we should open that up with uh, with Johnstone live at the Odeon Ooh, and uh, put good. that on there, and, and hopefully we can add videos to that. So, so we hope to have some new things coming this year. We are going to continue with the bourbon, so cheers, oh, yeah. guys. Let's, cheers. Uh, cups up. My, Welcome back. So far, I'm, I'm my not wine, to... not bourbon. My We're, wine. Yep. And, and we are socially distanced in this studio, so I just, think we should probably point that out. I guess we should. Although uh, we're not 100 percent over this, I guess after this, all this uh, the protest and then this last couple weekends, in a couple weeks, if there's not this spike, then I guess 
we can all be released to society again. So when we first came in, we had uh, we had Aunt Sharon behind a glass, and she said she felt like a gorilla at the zoo. So <laughs> so we had to move her over. <laughs> so she's still uh, she, we're all socially distanced, but you know I hate that term socially distanced. Why don't Why don't we say physically distanced? There's a yeah, because we're 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 less socially distanced than ever. Yeah, so right. so we're physic we're physically distanced. You're socially distanced because you can't touch each other. Yeah. You can't shake hands. You can't hug anyone. Yeah. yeah. That's killing some people too. That oh, is big time. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the shower curtain hugs and all that stuff. You seen that where they put plastic up between them <laughs> so grandmas can hug their kids and stuff. It's physical touch is important, man. You know, if you're not married and you're a pretty single person or solo or you're, you know, you don't have any family members and you're by yourself, that'd be, that'd be tough to not be able to hug a friend or, yeah. So, yeah. I guess we're lucky. So, the bourbon we're having tonight, this was one that I never had until we interviewed Ian Truax. Can't say it like that. Ian Truax. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned us on to two bourbons. 200 proof bourbons one old forester which is becoming one of my favorites it's awesome and and now tonight we have 100 proof early times yep have you had any yet yeah it's awesome what do you think yeah i think it's pretty uh, i good. think it's really good i think when you had it the first time i might have snuck a little bit of it and tasted it because i remember having so maybe i don't know but i've had it and it was awesome because yeah. i think i saw it after I had that podcast and i bought it for myself because it was a good price and it really is yeah. good stuff. I like it. That's I like good. the old Forster 100 proof better with the with the orange label, but but this is pretty good. So we're gonna go ahead and start our podcast. Mm. Why don't you take us back to when you first remember starting singing, or when you can we go back farther than that? Well, sure. Okay, like from the time I was eight years old until I was like 14, I didn't even know about music. Hmm. I was into riding and showing horses. Really? I would go and show horses every weekend. Uh, trophies. I had so many trophies that somebody got upset with me because I threw them all away in later <laughs> years. <laughs> but singing was the last thing on my mind when I was young. As a matter of fact, everything that happened was... You've heard of the starlet sitting on the counter and the guy coming in and saying, I'm going to make you a star when she had no idea that that's what was going to happen. That's what happened. Really? So from, from 8 to 14, did you grow up on a farm? Or yes, was, okay, yes. so you grew up with horses and yes. animals and all that uh -huh. stuff. And so you naturally, did, did you grow up taking care of animals as well and naturally oh, yeah. just gravitate towards, that's all you thought about? Yeah, that was it. I mean, I rode every day what's a horse show look like I've, I've never been to one do you like ride the horse out and they judge it like a dog show or uh basically uh there are several different types of horses i sh uh, had shown uh, a gated horse which the one i showed was a three gated horse he was the grandson of the world championship and i know you all won't know who this is but his name was wing commander and he was the championship horse. This was one of his sires. I showed him all over the place. I also rode. Are they the high knee steppers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I also rode the barrel races. Oh, cool. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> I've, I've done it all just about when it comes to horses between 8 and 14. So did you do that at any rodeos? What you would call a rodeo 
not rodeo rodeo but they had like local clubs what they called saddle clubs back then and you would take your horse in they would have all different types of classes and people would bring their horses in and they would compete for trophies i mean it was really a nice thing to do for young people it gave us something to do Mm -hmm. completely kind of off subject but yesterday uh my neighbor frank who's a he's teaching me how to listen to music he really is he's you know i'm 40 years old and he he has uh some old speakers and just this unbelievable stereo system so every now and again he'll bring me in and he'll say hey listen to this song listen to how it's recorded you got to hear this thing well yesterday we listened to about four songs and one of them was she left me for a rodeo clown <laughs> <laughs> i laughed so hard but it made me think about it you said barrels and then you said rodeo and i thought all right i gotta say <laughs> she left me for a rodeo clown <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought I've seen uh, barrel racing at some rodeos. I didn't know if that was part of most rodeos or not. But. That stuff's intense. It is. That's intense. It is. It is. Well, if, especially if you do it professionally. I was just an amateur, but mm. I loved it. You yeah. Know. So from there, the music came in in 1964. So uh, you, you never just, sang. You, you no, nothing. So, not a song. Like church. Okay. Just church. Church is a church is a theme. So you would sing. But would you? Church, were you in the choir or anything like that? The church I went to as a child growing up was strictly a cappella. There was no music at all. Really? Yeah. And that's how I learned to sing. You're gonna have to hit your notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're either gonna have to hit your notes. Or you're gonna stand out. Did uh, Did you stand out to people that was anybody ever beside you that went? You really have a pretty voice. No nothing nothing so, so no one ever told you hey you can sing i was always put down as to you can't do anything you're not good enough you're not pretty enough don't get the big head that type of thing so okay. i had no reinforcement of people close being, to you uh, very close okay being able to do anything like that did that drive you down or did that push you to be like you know what i don't need your opinion i'm gonna do it anyway or was it <laughs> the thing that got me started was like i scary say in 1964 my brother-in-law his name was richard lane would go to these jamborees and he would sing well we would go as a family and watch him and we'd come home and i would say to my sister who was married to him at at the time that i can do better than that (laughs) i can sing better than that and she finally got tired of hearing it and she said either shut up about it or go out there and sing and that's what i did somewhere in you you knew all right that's crap i'm better than that i I, I can carry a tune better than that or did you think anybody's better than that guy Uh, probably (laughs) (laughs) well you know that is a that's a confidence though you had you had some type of underlying confidence in your ability to be able to say you know what that's terrible i don't know man i was shaking like a dog (laughs) i think that's to be expected though you're gonna be nervous a wreck but well you have to look i'm about uh what 14 15 years old at the time everybody else is a lot older than me that's doing it I, I did. I got out there, and uh, there was a man by the name of Pee Wee Skinner, which you all would not know. I'm kind of like Roger Higdon was. I'm talking about people from back then. Speaking of Roger, 
Roger talked about um, Rosie Brewer had taught him a lot. Rosie Brewer was one of the first persons I sang in front of at the <laughs> Coral Ridge Jamboree. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. So Roger had to be a maybe not even born yet <laughs> the coral ridge jamboree yeah at coral ridge okay where was it um it right you know the building right in front of the school yeah right on the left side of it right yes okay it, and i don't know what's in there now it used to be an old grocery store mm-hmm. that they turned into a jamboree hmm. and everybody would go there and, and sing we had a good time and i learned a lot doing that still had a lot to learn though when i got to nashville when you started i'm assuming that you did obviously other people's songs because you're getting up and doing stuff oh, yeah. what, what was the first song that you sang in front of people on stage loretta lynn's blue kentucky girl really <laughs> yep you still remember i mean i'm sure you were nervous oh, yeah. so you're about 15 years old at that jamboree yeah stepping up on stage after saying i can do that yeah now did they have a house band that yes. pl- so yes. you just said yes. hey i want to come up and do this and they would have a i still to this day do not play an instrument i didn't know that do not play an instrument. We played keyboard. I thought you played keyboard. That's what I was well, thinking. Hold on a second. I, you played keys. I did a little bit. That's called playing an instrument. I've seen you play an <laughs> instrument, so you can't say that. <laughs> so would you say that you play the keyboards, but you're not a keyboard player? Correct. Josh just said that the other night. Yeah. So that's the first time he, he yep. talked about he considers himself to be able to play the piano, but he doesn't call himself a piano player. He said, I'm a bass player. That's not good for my piano player to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to back up just a little bit before we move on, because is there anything that stands out? Going back to what Neil asked, there had seemed like there would be something that made you think you could sing and make you go out there. You had to be singing in the shower or the car or something. You know, Brad, it's been so long ago that I really couldn't tell you. Did your sister think you could sing? No. <laughs> but my sister's nine and a half years older than I am. She okay. didn't want to deal with you. No, she did not want to deal with you. She didn't to want with to deal me. with you. No. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I had no encouragement. That's so about uh, anything. Mean, excuse the expression, but it's so ballsy to be 14, 15 years old and take that, that step. Regardless, there is an underlying, I, I'm going to do this. If you have no encouragement, no reinforcement, but you know, you, I think that's awesome. I, I said, I think it's super impressive. So you're you're 14 or 15 at this point, yeah. right? So so were you leaving? Were you starting to lose interest in showing horses and wanting to move into music, or what was lost, happening there? I lost interest in horses because the the big horse, the one that was the son of Wing Commander, that was my pride and joy. My dad sold out from beneath of me. Mm. I lost interest because he sold my horse. I mean, I could have had another horse, but I wanted that one. That was my horse. Yeah, six years of you and that horse. Is that something that happens when you're in that industry? Do horses like come and go? Do you yeah, buy and they, sell they all the time? Yeah, come and go a lot. And this one was at that time in the '60s. A thousand dollars for a horse was a lot of money, and that's what somebody gave him for my horse. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure he was a farmer first. He was a truck driver for a chemical company. Okay. Money first, though. Money Take first. care of the family. Right. Everything else is a pretty show horse, but we need $1,000. Yeah. So how, how many horses did you guys have around the house or the farm? Or Oh, probably four or five at a time. 
And were, were you the only one that showed the horses, or was it you and your sister? Or? Well, my sister, by the time I was able to do anything like that, she was already married and gone at nine and a half years older than me. Okay. Yeah. So you're a Coral Ridge Jamboree. What kind of reception did you get when you stepped up there and you <laughs> belted out some Loretta Lynn? Mixed. There was a lot of jealousy going on at that time. Not with 14 or 15-year-old girls, no way. <laughs> You've been living under a rock head. <laughs> the thought of a jamboree and having that house band in a place where you can go and play music, that, that's something that I miss. I wish that that was something that, that wasn't a bar. It is a place where people go and just a music hall and there's live music. And they still have a few of them. Now, I think Shepherdsville still has one or uh, Country Jamboree. I'm not sure. I know Lincoln Jamboree is still going in Hodgensville. Yeah. So how long did you do the uh, Coral Ridge Jamboree? Well, it was not just Coral Ridge. I mean, I would go from Coral Ridge to Blue Lick to Lincoln Jamboree. And there were other ones out there. I mean, it was just kind of like a a circuit that you would do. Now, Mr. Skinner, right? Yeah. Okay, so did he get you linked in with that? Did he, or did you say, I'm going to go travel and do all this? No, Mr. Skinner had two daughters, and they were just a little bit younger than me yet, but they could really sing. Okay. So he is the one that took me under his wing and helped me find keys helped me learn the songs and got me started on the process of getting into it because i had no idea how to do it so was he maybe one of your first real people that encouraged you and then really put that reinforcement in i you? would say he's he was the one of the molders yeah. till i you know till i got to know what i was doing mm-hmm. a little bit better i mean you go from riding horses to singing on stage in just a few months yeah a lot to do yeah well he, was, he seems like the the kind of linchpin to get you going you, you, i think everybody needs that i think you need that one person that even if they can only help you so much they get you that little push that you needed at that time he kind of gave me a little confidence gets you going in the right direction yeah so how long did you do that circuit before you uh kind of said look i'm the response has changed i'm getting really pretty good at this what what was the next move? It didn't happen that way. It, what happened? I was doing these local jamborees, and one night this gentleman, come, my mother, went with me. She never let me go anywhere by mm. myself. I, she, good mama. <laughs> 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 At least in that sense. This gentleman by the name of um, Wes Dartery walked up to us and started talking. And lo and behold, he was the owner of Blue Angel Records. Now, this was probably back in 66, maybe 67, early 67. He wanted to know if we'd be interested in going to Nashville and cutting a record for for his label. Well, you know how cutting records goes. You got to put the money up front. Mm -hmm. They don't pay for anything. Mm -hmm. Well... He decided he would he would pay for half of it if I'd pay for the other half. So they got the money together. Well, there was another little young man. Well, young man. He was older than me by the name of Otis Berry here in town. And as a matter of fact, to this day, he still does an Elvis act. Really? Is yes. that right? Yes. Young Elvis? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so we both went down to Nashville with Mr. Dartery. And we went into the studio, and we cut, quote, 
a demo session. Now, a demo session in Nashville is about half the price of what an actual session is, but it's the same studio and the same musicians. Hmm. They all just get a different rate for it being a, a demo. Number one, a demo is never supposed to be pressed and put out for sale. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the first record came about. So when you uh, went down there to record, how many songs did you record? I recorded two, and Otis recorded two. So was it just like a little 45, it was a little a 40, record? What was a 45 front and Oh, that's awesome. What were the titles of those songs? Oh, man. <sighs> I have that record on the basement wall, I think. I can't. Blue Angel? It is a Blue Angel record. Okay. but There's more than one, right? Yeah. yeah. But the trucking song that was later done came out first on Blue Angel. Okay, so you did a few records yes. with Blue Angel. Yeah, okay. I did at least two, yeah. So Wes Daughtery, was that his name? Uh-huh. Well, what was he telling you? Like, So he went, he went and heard you sing and said, hey, come with me to Nashville. He just said, you want to cut a record for me and put it on my label. So is this as much dumb luck as like you're talking, or or is it? <laughs> oh, it gets better, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. And when, how old were you when you went and cut that first record? Uh, probably late sixteen, early seventeen. So all, two, of the, all of everything I'm talking about has happened will will have happened in a span of five years. Neil, it probably didn't me? have anything to do with what she looked like. You know, <laughs> you definitely look. Your legs look like you were riding horses. <laughs> Man, oh, smoke oh, for show. Those, oh, for those old days, guys! I'm telling you, now, I'm assuming that's the trucking uh, that's, that's promo. A, that is a Peterbilt truck, and Peterbilt. that is a Peterbilt truck that I'm standing on top of. Yeah, we're, I, we're I love, that's pictures. classic yeah. right there. So this is sincerely Sharon Smith. Got that's autographed. How old are you in this photograph? Mm, probably about 18 a little bit later than we're talking right now mm-hmm. well what happened after you cut that demo that's that's <sighs> when once that demo's cut and, and uh he has it in his hand west daughtery right right yeah. has it in his hand what what does he do is that does he throw it on for sale and you start uh what happens I, I, the best of my memory because like i said we're talking a bunch of years ago <laughs> just a couple <laughs> <laughs> he would sell them at the shows mm-hmm. you know I, I would get up and sing and he would say okay she's got a record which happened a lot for a lot of people mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of garage bands mm-hmm. and a garage singers cut but this one just happened to be in nashville so what was your cut of those sales mm-hmm. you know at that age who cared i had food on the table it didn't matter to me (laughs) (laughs) you're having a good time you're in nashville doing the thing after you cut that record you went around kind of touring that how did that what how did that go i didn't tour there was none of that No, not with that record okay that record opened the door for the next phase and the next phase must have been pretty fun what was the next phase (laughs) the, the next phase was just like a whirlwind and this is when things just kind of go crazy. It's kind of when things started to snowball. From the point where you are 14, dad sells the horse, no longer interested in that. You you decide you want to get up on this stage. Two and a half years later, you're cutting this demo. And then once that demo hits, I mean, all this stuff is just so. So the first half of that two and a half years was just kind of the normal thing making the circuit learning, getting out learning, learning the craft learning the craft and then 
the last two and a half years were just a snowball. Then Mr. Darty decides he wants to cut another record, but we need better material. Now, Otis Berry's not with us this time. It's just me. Okay. So we go back down, he and my mother and me, back down to Nashville, and we start knocking on publishing company doors. Hey, we got this singer here. Listen to this record. We want some material. Sorry, man, we don't give out material. Sorry, we don't do that. Finally, we hit Tree Publishing Company. I don't know if you've ever heard. Of, you've never heard of Tree. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. no, Tree Publishing Company was one of the largest publishing company. Acuff Rose. Have you heard of them? Uh-uh. Oh my God! But I don't pay attention. Acuff <laughs> Rose was the biggest in Nashville okay. as far as music publishers. Tree Publishing Company was right along with them, or Maybe just a tad behind them. So we go in there like we own the place. And there's this big, heavy set guy smoking on a cigar. We go into his office. He said, let me listen to what you got. Now, this man's also seen him over here. Okay. I'm sure you heard mm-hmm. Andy talk about Tom Hartman. Yep. So we well, I got treated a little bit differently by Tom Hartman. <laughs> I didn't look like Andy either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you certainly didn't. (laughs) So we go in and he puts the record on. He says, no, we're not going to give you anything. I tell you what we will do, though. You come sign on with us. We'll give you some material and we'll get you a major record label. Bingo. So, (laughs) they gave me about four songs. I went home and I learned them. And I come back to the studio. Now, this is still all going to be on Blue Angel to begin with. So, I come back in and we're in RCA Victor Studio A. No, All the music, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. All, well, it wasn't for me. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't in awe until it gets to this one point. So what does it look like? Can you just kind of describe what, what it looked like? Does it have look, you, does it you look you like top hill? Ray Fultz's? Uh, no, I've seen pictures, but... Basically, he had the same type of deal. So like... Really? Uh, yeah. When we cut, I don't know how you all are doing it in here. Professionally? <laughs> the best yeah well when we cut everybody was in the studio at once that's the way to, i love it That'd be the backup singers me all the instruments they all played at the same time if somebody screwed up we did it all over again we did those four songs in four takes didn't we <laughs> that's, that's my story <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that is the but that you capture magic when you do that. oh yeah that changes the game it's a different it's a different feel you have everybody playing that's like singing oh. karaoke yeah and playing with a lot and playing band. with a lot it's just a different thing there you capture an energy so let me get back to this because this really excited me <laughs> so we're waiting for the lead guitar player he's not there yet the session's supposed to be starting in five minutes. Everybody's looking around, looking around. Well, he comes strolling in. He just got off the golf course. It was Mr. Jerry Reed. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. He's the one playing lead on the <laughs> truck driving song. Are you kidding me? Jerry Reed was Jerry playing. Reed. That's insane. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was my highlight. That was my highlight. So, so you that's are crazy. You're, you're still 16, 17? Uh, 17, 18, 17, 18, okay. and, you know, in that time frame. So you've been at it three, three and a half, four years. And, and Nashville, not that long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just talking about since you first, first ever decided I'm going to try to sing a song. In less than a year, I cut the demo and I got the stuff in Nashville. That's why I said it was like what you hear about the starlets. Yeah, you catch being, fire. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had no idea. I had no concept. I had never planned on any of that happening. I did not work for any of it to happen. It just happened. There was no planning. There was no saying, well, I'm going to do this, and then this will happen, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to get me a record label. It never happened that way. It just fell in my lap. Next thing you know. It's a, it's a yeah. next thing you know type yeah. of thing. Yeah. It had to be, you had you had the goods. Yeah. You had to have the voice. You had to have the look. You had to have the personality they were looking for. I mean, that this doesn't just happen to most people. One thing that you didn't have then that they do now is auto-tune. You, it wasn't like you... Oh, no. There, no, no, it no. Was, it was, you were the package... You know, so you that's got just... what you got. Now, the only thing they did do, I will confess to this, is on one of my songs they kept raising the key and raising the key and raising the key. I don't know how many times. Well, the last time my voice was so tired that it broke, so they went back on one of the other takes and spliced that end of the song. That's well, the only thing that happened. That, that, that so is this? Uh, <laughs> is this? There's just one man to keep one way to keep a trucking man happy. Is that that was the first song? No, the second session that what, I did. What, what what did you just record with Jerry Reed? The trucking song okay. and what's on the flip side of it? Rules for cheating. Yeah, and two more, but I can't remember. Brad, I can't remember what they are. And that terrible. So you had four songs on that uh, in that session. Correct. Oh, hey Neil, I've got a. You I've, do I've four. got this song. I've right got, now, you got yeah, it right I now. Got it. Let's play it. All right, let's listen to theirs. It's There's Just One Way to Keep a Trucking Man Happy, right? Oh, and, and uh, with lead guitar player Jerry Reed. Jerry. All right, here it is. There's right just one thing to keep a trucking man happy. That's a woman and her sweet love. My man is a big truck driver on the Detroit to Memphis run. He's a hard working, good looking.
Brad. Just want to take a break from the podcast. I found this out after we were interviewing our guest, something that didn't come out in the podcast, but I thought was important for our listeners to know as we go on. There's just one way to keep a trucking man happy. I read in the October 5th, 1969 Country Western Gazette that that record sold over 25,000 copies in the first month. Quite impressive. Now we'll return to the podcast. Yeah, trucking. Nice song. Love it. So, Thank you, guys. <laughs> so I heard some uh, good old-fashioned Nashville slide guitar in there. Do you remember who played that? It was either Weldon Myrick or Hal Rugg. And I know they mean nothing to you, but they both played on the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could tell he was good. Yeah. Were you being described as anybody at this time? Like no. when they Okay. No. That's even better, I think. They didn't compare me to anybody. I don't know if that was a hindrance or a help. How did you get to this point? How did you develop who you were as a singer? Who did, was it just you or what did you? That's, you know what, I think that's my biggest, my biggest thing too is like, what was the influence to, to where I still don't know where it came from. You know, everybody else, a lot of people that we've talked to have said, I remember, you know, at seven years old singing to my, in the family room in front of, or this and that, or picking up a, so it is mind-blowing to me that at 14 you just i'm gonna do this and not have any thought like you said thought process is like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do it just it just happened it's so cool so let's start here then who who did you listen to who are your favorite artists okay i listened to loretta lynn i listened to a person by the name of connie smith okay i've heard of connie smith i listened to a lot of uh, patsy klein basically all the female singers that were out back in the 60s you know what's funny though you say that and you weren't compared to anybody and i listened to that and that doesn't sound like any of them that's that's probably was was the uh was a big part of the the charm of it that may have been what got me as far as i went well when you listen to that it doesn't sound like someone who just started singing no i mean did you have anybody coaching you or no no it's just smooth you just raw talent it just fell out brad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's excellent yeah. it is so like i said i had another the second session was at bradley's barn i don't know if you know or mm. have ever heard of sorry <laughs> oh huge. that was a, no, compared to rca yes okay. it was just as big as rca it was out in the country it was in a barn amazing experience i'm sure it was called bradley's barn yeah it was an experience because tom hartman was trying to get me there and we were running late and i was in the car with him and he was driving and there was a train coming Uh oh instead of stopping for the train he speeded up and tried to beat the train and i mean it was seconds that we got over the track before the train came. <laughs> you said tried with a hard D. I was like, oh no, they didn't make it. I thought you were setting us up for a crash. Well, it was really close. Really close. So that session, that was what was it? Was it the same studio musicians or was it a different group? No, Jerry wasn't there. And you know, I have a hard time remembering who was there. I really do. I think Floyd Kramer played the piano on one of them. And it was either Weldon Myrick or Hal Rugg that played the steel. Jimmy Capps, I do know, was the lead guitar player. Now, he played for years and years in Nashville mm-hmm. as a studio musician and also on the Opry. 
Oh, wow. So, so he was pretty good. Yeah, what oh, you're saying? Ev- yeah. Every, listen to those musicians. <laughs> They're unbelievable. Every one of them. I mean, they had never heard the songs before. They went in and they sat down and they played it first time out. That's Who wrote awesome. the song? Did you tell us that? Uh, Tom Hartman, I believe, wrote the trucking song. Okay. That was one of his. And it could have been a lady by the name of, her last name was Gold. I think her name was Patsy Gold. So what about your Blue Angel songs? Who wrote those? Some man over in Indiana. And the funny thing, Brad, was they were like pop top 40, 1940s. Hmm. And I had to try to take them and turn them into a country sound, which was god awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you don't have a copy of those, do you? Oh, I'm sure I do somewhere. Oh, we need to find them. So, was that the, <laughs> the trucking song we just listened to? Was that a Blue Angel song? That was, that was a demo. A very, no. That no? was an actual, that was the actual studio time. It was done correctly. That was RCA. That's right. It was done correctly. With and the, then uh, once side. it started selling on Blue Angel and Dot Records saw that it was going to be a viable product, they paid Wes Darty out for my contract. They bought my contract. So crazy. Do you collect anything from that? Heck no. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, now they're buying her contract because they want somebody else. Is like, she's so good that yeah. we need to buy her from you. Yeah. To make this thing go. And Dot Records is is big time. Oh yeah, it was big time. It was like saying you were on RCA. Well, I looked at Dot Record Wikipedia page. Uh huh and dot went through several hands bought out by paramount pictures and then famous music corporation got involved and the list of artists there was unbelievable but anyway it goes on and exchanges hands sold for 5.5 million at in like the early 70s and then keeps going on through different hands and sold to Sony and Michael Jackson in 2007 yep. for 370 million. Dot Re- so Dot kidding? Records is It was. Yes. Yes. When I was on Dot, they were owned by Paramount. Okay. And you you can see that in some of the material. Uh, I've got a letter that I gave you that was from uh, Paramount. Yeah, we're looking through some yeah, articles she brought awesome. in. It's cool. Uh, look at that. Was that a white leather vest? Oh, well, here you go. Here's the art. Here's the uh, from Paramount. Wow, that's just crazy to see. Look at that. Look at that. Is that crazy? Seeing something from Paramount with there? <laughs> yeah. So she was saying, she was telling them back then in these interviews, uh, Neil, exactly what she just told us. Listen to this quote. I just stumbled into Nashville at the right time. <laughs> the 19-year-old singing star, the Fern Creek farm girl, Sharon Smith. Burn Creek Farm Girl explaining her sudden popularity in country music in the country music field. That's wow. insane. CMA Disc Jockey Awards Convention, which is where that picture with everybody, all those people, at one time. And I know y'all don't know who Diana Trask is either, but she was extremely large singer back then. Physically? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, but she was like about nine or ten years older than I am. She's the one right there in the middle on that picture, holding a hand with the man. She was one of their their bigger people. Joe South. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe South or not. So this is the Dot Recording Artist Convention, huh? 
that was at the disc jockeys convention what is now called the cma awards it started out as the disc jockey convention then it went to fanfare when i was there it was strictly for artists and the disc jockeys to get together to promote playing your records so at this convention i was there and i was cutting some demo stuff for him to play on the radio hi this is sharon smith blah 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 you know i listen to w yes <laughs> well sitting next to me cutting one was lee marvin <laughs> it's insane <laughs> so, and this is i mean we're still like that article that i, I was just looking at you were 19 there so we're still in like this year and a half yeah. window yeah yeah so you went here you go here you go right, let me let me just uh, read this real quick because this is cool uh, October 28th, 69. Dear Sharon, thank you for helping us make what I believe to be the best shows this year's Nashville convention ever had. It did all of uh, us a world of good, I'm sure. If you need anything, just holler at Ross, Bob, or myself as we'll be glad to help. Later, John Rosica. I mean, it's it, Paramount. Paramount. That's. I mean, it's like first name basis. Hey, Sharon, if you need anything, just holler at me or John or Bob. So Paramount was in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you make no. it out that way? No, no, no. Okay. The farthest I got was Oklahoma. Let me tell you about some of my gigs. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because mm. all of this has happened in the same short time period. How are you handling this? Is your head spinning or are you just like just riding um, along? Or It was kind of like, what's happening? You know, I... I didn't have time to think about anything. It was just get up there and do it. So uh, are the people who were uh, not so supportive early on, were they supporting oh you now? Yeah, oh, yeah, they're starting to come around. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you went back to cut that, did you move to Nashville? Did no. you live there? So you always were just I traveling. I always lived in Fern Creek. You were always the Fern Creek farm girl, I was always, Sharon Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it was just a, a hike back and forth. And this was before I-65 was finished. I was. I didn't want to ask, but I was wondering. It only stopped at Upton, and then you had to get on the old road to go oh, down. So, so it took, it took a little a minute. while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the first thing I can remember, because like I said, my memory is... I haven't talked about this stuff before, so the memory is... I really had to pull, guys, to Mm. remember this stuff. They had in town what was called Shindig. And I'm sure you all don't know what a Shindig is. I know what a Shindig is. Now, was that in town Louisville? In In town Louisville. Okay. So I'm booked to do one of the Shindigs with these other country artists. The Shindig was a big... It was a big deal to be able to get on it. So, the first thing we did was, before that night when you sang at the show, they had made arrangements that all the artists would go to, but not all of them went, but they were supposed to, let me put it this way, LaGrange Reformatory to sing for the prisoners. That was an experience in itself. Are you telling us how you met Andy? (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it was a love story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but Sorry, I, buddy. I've never, I've never been watched so closely in my life. Oh, I guarantee I had to it. go to the bathroom when we got there. I had to take a, two guards with me to go to the bathroom. They would go into the bathroom, check it out. 
I would be able to go in, do my thing. They would stand outside the door and guard it. Then after I came back out, they would go back in and check the bathroom to make sure I hadn't left anything in. No kidding. (laughs) Now, here I am, this young, you saw what it looked like, Uh this young lady, nothing but men that are behind prison walls. (laughs) They love me. They love you. <laughs> you could have made a living. So anyhow. They liked you better than Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, they did. I guarantee it. On the bill that day for the show was none other than Conway Twitty. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Then. Yes. That's I sang with Conway Twitty's band. They backed me up. Conway was the perfect gentleman. Oh, he was, that's... I mean, I can't tell you enough about how nice a man he was so we get to the shindig that night miss connie smith was also on the show i was supposed to have sang with her band at the shindig that's how it was set up she refused to let her (laughs) band play for me what so my buddy conway steps up again and lets me have his band (laughs) for the shindig at the shindig i bet they were amazing too oh my gosh not only that his band's better than yours (laughs) (laughs) after that we went out to eat at masterson's because quote masterson's was the only place to go back Uh then after the show i went to eat with the band and conway conway took me home that night He was a perfect gentleman. Watch how much you share now. (laughs) He was a perfect gentleman. As a matter of fact, he did give me a compliment, or I felt it was a compliment. He told me I reminded him a lot of his wife, and he showed me a picture of her, and I did resemble her a lot. (laughs) Oh, that's that's even better. Makes me like him even more, and I already liked him. (laughs) So, another place I went was I traveled to Oklahoma City. To do a TV show. All the way out to Oklahoma, we drove for a five-minute spot to sing to a soundtrack of the trucking song. So, was it a uh, local Oklahoma station or something that had you out, or do you have any idea? This song evidently was trucking real good in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's the home of some truckers, ain't it? And so, <laughs> so that's where they sent me, and wherever they sent me, I went. Heck yeah! Now, uh, when when you started uh, getting gigs and and doing shows, was it a Dot Records show? Was it a bunch of Dot Records no signees, or were you just going where I was just going wherever they booked me? Okay, huh. I had I don't uh, I can't even remember the booking agent's name. I had a booking agent. Was that through Dot? <laughs> uh, no, that would have been through Tom Hartman Tree. They were handling okay. the majority of the stuff. Okay. Now, the, the my worst gig I ever had. These are my favorite. My worst <laughs> all-time ever gig. You talk about being sick. I was booked at a county fair. I can't remember what city, what state, but this really sticks in my mind. They're supposed to have the band furnished. There's supposed to be a band for me to play with there. I get there. And number one, it's in a tent outside inside the ring of a track, like a horse track, and it's sitting in the middle out there. My band was an organ, like what you would hear at a baseball game going, (laughs) had no clue about country music at all. Oh Oh my God. It was terrible. I don't know if you could even 
fathom how bad it was. I, you know what? I'm trying to, and I don't think I can. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. You Just go back to your church days, it, acapella. Oh. Yeah, they sang uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game 14 times that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Brad's right. That's when you say, you know what? Just hit the power button. I, I, I remember this old church day acapella stuff. <laughs> That's when you go. It, yeah. it was, I mean, I t- pins and needles. How many everywhere. songs did you have to sing? I think I did about eight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> After about the third song, all right, the first note, wee! Yeah, I mean, it was it was terrible, terrible, terrible. You're, you're still, your, your song here is still Truck Driver Man, right? Yeah. Did that make it on the charts? It was on the charts in Billboard, which I don't know if y'all know what Billboard is or well, not. Well, yes. Wait, what? Billboard? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, I know that one. (laughs) I had the one copy. He put it someplace where it would be safe, and we don't know where it is. We'll find it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it in the house somewhere? Well, it could be in the house. It could be in the shed. It could have gotten thrown out when that. Is it a piece of paper? No, it was the actual Billboard magazine. No. Oh, I got you. Billboard 500 or whatever? Yeah, Billboard Top 100. Oh, that's awesome. So you were in the top 100? No, not the top 100. They had another category down under there for the news records that were coming out. And it was like, listen to this when we're giving it a bullet, which means a bullet is, we expect it to travel. Up and rising stars. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm looking at a a radio TV programming aid here, and it has... uh, it has you on listed on one of these channels, and on the top of that channel is Merle Haggard. So, I mean, that, it, it's not like you weren't messing with the big dogs here. Right above you is Jerry Lee Lewis. So, <laughs> so when this uh, picture's taken, you're at a convention. of uh, Is it a Dot Records convention, or is it it's a... a disc jockey's convention. Each record label would have their own show. So, I was at the Dot show. RCA had its show. Columbia had its show. Capitol had its show. All of the record labels would have their artists and they would put on a show. They had big, big extravagant hotel suites where all of the disc jockeys would come in and eat and drink all they could hold for <laughs> So there wasn't a pay-to-play type no, of deal back no. then. You really had to audition, show your stuff. You had to be good. Like you said, everything was one or two takes in, in a studio. If you didn't get it in that one take, you didn't get it. You had to redo it. So you had to be a good band. You had to sing good. Uh, you had Everything had to be on point all the time. So it's a different it's so much different than it is today because everything's so digital and you don't have to sing good to be good a new artist has no chance today not unless you know somebody Mm. are married to somebody you you don't they won't even give you a listen yeah while you're doing this touring is there a plan or are they talking to you like here's where here's where we're going here's the next step for you oh i'll get to that one in a minute now, I was telling you about Jerry Reed, right? And mm-hmm. how excited I was. My music producer was a guy by the name of Hap Wilson. And his wife's name was Marion Worth. And she was a very well-known singer. She was scheduled to be on the Friday Night Opry. She gave her spot to me. 
and I played the Friday Night Opry. You played at the I played at the Are Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> I played at the Grand Ole Opry. That is crazy. Now, after the Opry, after you sang your song, you walked out into the alley, and across the alley was a little bar called the Backstage Bar. And that's where all the entertainers went after they got finished. And I went and sat down at the table with Tom T. Hall. That's <laughs> just insane. How old were you here? 19 still? Probably 19. You were good. <laughs> I was lucky. N- no. They're, well, they, they, lucky, there may yeah, have the, break, the breaks were there. I don't care how good you are. Everything had to fall into place. The well, stars were aligned. All right, here's the, all right, I got a question for you then. Here's my philosophy, though. Were you trying to make it in singing? No. <laughs> okay, then you were lucky. <laughs> Brad, I'm telling you. Well, that, it just happened. And I just. You just kinda, totally shot my point. I just kind of <laughs> rolled along with it and went and did what they told me to do. All right, so my, my question <laughs> if you hit. If you would have hit a wall to where you would have had a little bit of rejection at any point in that time. Would you have kept going? I don't know how to answer it. But you enjoyed singing. You were doing it because you liked it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you enjoy everything that came along with it or did you enjoy the singing? Because it, it seemed it like very a good ex- time. It was very exciting. I couldn't imagine going... It was different could, than a Fern Creek farm girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, was. could you imagine being on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry, the same stage that they sing on now that's exalted in, in country music and walking across the street to the back door, the backstage bar. Backstage is still there, right? Yeah. There is a very exclusive amount of people in the world that's, that can say that they've done that. Very small percentage. It's like a 1% type of deal. It's not. It may be lower than that. You're a one percenter. I'm a one percenter. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> We're all one percenters in one way or the other. That I mean, seriously, that is it's it's for it to just kind of happen. I'm and still going to say it wasn't luck. I, I you, you I'd say you were fortunate, I guess, but if you're, it's not luck. Yeah, there's there's so much talent. I mean, you can listen to that record and hear the voice. It is as smooth as butter. It's awesome. It cuts through the record, and that is a record in the '60s. And for you, the path you're taking here, for every Sharon Smith, I bet there were two thousand people who were trying to oh, or yeah. doing the same thing that didn't make it, yeah. or ten thousand. Well, I mean, there's one sitting right back here. One sitting across from you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it came too easy. I didn't have to work for any of it. Maybe that's why I didn't appreciate what I had. When you're 19 and 20 years old, do you ever? Do you ever really? Do you do you really know? I, I look at some some people have perspective beyond their years that are that age. But it's so few and far between. It's mostly people uh, that look back and go, if I would have only understood a little bit more about myself when I was that age or or knew how to think or, or knew how to process to, to go, what what do I what do I want to be? What do I want? What what do I need to be happy here? I don't think that ever stops. No. When you're 30, you think back to 20 that way. When you're 40, yeah. you think back to 30. Yeah. <laughs> Just to think that to be 19, that's my big wonder. If you had, if at if any point, it would have been a push for you on your side to go, I want this. Would she have fought for would it? Would you have fought for it? We'll never know. Where'd, where'd you go from here? Well, <clears throat> in 1969, 
mm, September maybe of 69. I was booked in Joliet, Illinois on a show with George Hamilton IV. Now, I'm sure you don't know who he is either, but he had the song Abilene. Okay. And Tommy Cash, who is Johnny Cash's brother. Really? Now, this man, my love of my life sitting back here, went with me to that show. Since the beginning of your all's relationship? We, we were engaged. So how long have you been with him to this point? Not very long. Okay. okay, if this was September, we started dating in February. Things happen quick back then, boy, getting engaged fast. <laughs> <laughs> when you know, you know, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, there was a lot of turmoil because, quite honestly, my mother did not want me to get hooked up. Neither did the record label. They wanted me to be available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want well, to sell me as a young, available female. You know, and that's that was the thing back then. The, oh, the yeah. image, the image of what you wanted has that changed. Today, it would be called sexist. Well, <laughs> the, the, I think the funny part is it hasn't changed, but it has changed in the fact that social media has kind of taken all the the blur out between who people are in uh, in real life and in celebrity life. So I think if if somebody's married they know they're married it's just so what do they want and, and does it matter i think that we're finding out it doesn't matter nearly as much as the record labels back then probably thought they needed needed it to yeah so so anyhow he and i are sitting on the steps going into this area of the building inside and i'm kind of looking sad because i've my mother didn't want me to wear my engagement ring on stage. And so Tommy sits down and he starts talking to us. And he says, let me tell y'all something. If what you all want to do is get married, don't ever let this music or this business keep you from doing it. Don't listen to everybody else. Do what your heart says. Bingo. <laughs> 50 years later we are still together mm. as a matter of fact the disc jockeys convention was in october we got married october the 8th which we took his advice we went off we ran off and got married <laughs> um it, it worked it, it, i it guess worked. it's worked it's worked <laughs> so was this the same yes. joliet show uh-huh. that uh Tommy. uncle butch told us about and didn't he, he got in a scrap or something to fight with somebody well, okay, how was he gonna bring that up well, you here's, talking about bill you were, yeah you were performing <clears throat> well here's here did you my questions because I've, I've thought about this a lot leading into this episode i'm sure you listened to your husband his podcast what, what were your thoughts on on that was he because it was it was raw man it was open and honest and i loved it it was it was one of my mo- most uh enjoyable m- podcasts for me sitting on the other side of a microphone because i really felt like all right we're we're talking this is this is opening up we're when you listen to that and got his side of it and his perspective and especially the end i think that he probably thought about little moments for years and what, what was your perspective on on all that well number one i really didn't know everything that was going on at the time mm-hmm. had i i probably wouldn't have been able to perform did your uh, 
marriage did, did things start start changing then or what happened well we got married in october october the 8th that disc jockeys convention was in october two weeks after we got married okay so i had to leave him for a week we'd only been married two weeks i was gone for a week he didn't get to go while i'm there i'm informed that i am booked for a three-month extended tour in canada 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 (laughs) and the husband is not to go he will not be allowed to go we mind the music you mind the marriage and never the twain shall meet and i politely said i'm sorry but i'm not doing this if he doesn't go i don't go and that was the end of my career and i would say that's what they were testing yeah i think the question that that i asked earlier you answered if you were put up against a a wall of hey you have a choice do you want to push through this and go with music or you had you had that question and the question was look this doesn't this relationship in my life means way more to me than than singing on a stage and See, being man there. being out like that is not everything it's cracked up mm-hmm. to be it's it's yeah it's work when i first started music was fun i enjoyed it i couldn't wait to get out there to sing and as everything started progressing it wasn't fun anymore mm-hmm. it was a job that's it's it's interesting because I look at this picture and you're as pretty as ever in every other picture, but it's you don't look as happy as you did at the stand. You look like I'm away from my husband, away from where I need to be. I'm just doing this as business. And it's weird because, you know, when we talk to Toy, at a certain point, he realized this is just something I want to do around a bonfire or when I want to do it. This ain't the life I want to live. It sounds like that's the same thing that you were coming up against it's it was becoming a job it was becoming work and when you had a choice to make it wasn't even a choice for you it was easy because that wasn't life you wanted i wasn't going to sacrifice my marriage so how much did this hurt i lost my career yeah that's what i mean how much did it hurt brad this is the first time i've talked about it so it was it's, it was it was painful it's well no not really painful it's just something that has been pushed back in the back and other people's musical careers have been well obviously promoted. yeah i mean obviously you did you know you've done well in life and in your marriage but i'm I, at the time what were your feelings there and like what what were what was being said by because I'm thinking, I'm, I'm saying the record label and probably some of your closest fans, I could probably guess who they probably blamed. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and that would probably be your per- person you married, right? The person I married called. We ran off to Trenton, Georgia and got married. He called when we hit Nashville and says, Lucy, I've just married your daughter. We weren't married yet. She says, oh, my God, you're killing me. <laughs> that's your mom right and he says where would you like and what kind of flowers do you want me to send (laughs) 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. <laughs> He's got away with words, I guess. <laughs> but right now, my joy in life is I love singing contemporary gospel. I love it. Yep. I don't like singing lead. I love singing harmony. Kitchen table studios, right? Kitchen table oh, studios. Kitchen table studios. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're uh, 32 years old, 35 years old. You have a couple, you know, some kids and husbands off work, and you're either working or not working. Whatever you're doing, do you ever, ever go? I wonder what the hell could have happened. Do you have those moments? Very, very, very seldom. Did it make it easy to push all this to where you didn't have to talk about it for 50 years? Or has it been, has there been moments where it's eaten at you? No, you, it's never eaten at me. It's always been, I made the right choice. This I is did. the best thing that I could did. ever happen. I made happen. the right choice. That's I mean, I love to sing. I love to sing. But in the grand scheme of things, I made the right choice. There you go. And now you're all making music together. And now we're making music together. <laughs> there were a couple other Big Dot Records songs that we didn't talk about. Where did they come in the picture? Like, Those were the ones that were cut. They were released after we were married. So they were recorded and released after? They were recorded prior to the marriage. They were released, released after, after marriage. Okay. So I never got to tour with them. That was going to be the big thing for the three-month Canada tour. Did anybody sing your songs? I don't know. So you, you just totally checked out? You didn't, you were gone I completely? I dropped out. I didn't know I had the tiger by the tail, quite honestly. Isn't that crazy? When yeah. you look back and you go, holy crap, that I was being fought for, I was being bought. Uh, I, you you could have, who knows? Because like you said, it fell. Barbara Mandrell and I came out at the same time. <laughs> And in 2007, Dot Records, which at that time was uh, not Dot Records, sold for $370 million to Michael Jackson, who's kind of a big name. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Who? Who knows what would have happened had I stayed in the music. So have you guys ever had, when you're down there in the basement on a Friday night in retirement and the two of you guys are just talking, do you guys, I mean, do you ever talk about, you know, what if we would have done this or maybe no. that or... What if we would have sung those duets? I, that, that's what I was saying. I wish those duets would have happened because that may have been it right there, buddy. We I could was have. not capable at that time. Of dealing with him? No, of, sing, of, singing, <laughs> of singing harmony. Really? Harmony's a new thing that's come around for me. Harmony's hard. Yes, it is. Harmony is You've the hardest part. You've got to hear it. You and have yeah. to be able to hear it. you got to hear it as soon as it's sung. It's like, oh. You don't even hear the 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 uh -uh. normal uh -uh. melody anymore. You hear I everything else. I cannot sing a melody line. Well, you know, you <laughs> could have been out harmony. <laughs> you could have sung lead. my dad. Rick Johnstone is the same guy, man. He, <laughs> as soon as he, he's in a third or a fifth, every time he sings, <laughs> he cannot do. He will not sing the lead. <laughs> you could sing lead. <laughs> the idea of singing. Harmony, the duo oh, at, was at, how at we met. That's at, right. Yeah, I Fultz. forgot about that. Uh, why don't we listen to one of those other songs? We've got uh, we've got eat, drink, and be myself tonight, and we've got you crowded me out of your world. Play eat, drink. Okay. I don't like those restaurants that we've been going to.
just let down my hair Nobody else sounded like that. That's why they wanted you. That's there's that was what sixty eight, sixty nine. That was yeah. Nobody else sounded like that. Great tone to the it's voice. Just perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it's you. awesome. And you raised keys. You didn't tell us when you were uh, when you went up six octaves or key, the it keys. Seems that like it, it did. Yeah. Well, you raised another key in yeah. that song too, which yeah. was very popular uh, <laughs> later on. It yeah. wasn't even popular at that point. I don't think as much as it ended up being. But my gosh. I love I love all those songs so far. <laughs> I love them. You guys got married. What happened with music with you between there and when you played Keys and Clavis Isley Band? Nothing. How many years is that? 30? 20? 30 plus years. So was this DJ convention one of your last live gigs or the last live thing that you did? With? Yeah. That was it? That was it. This this picture represents the. Is this before That's or after? That's my swan song. Is this before or after? That picture is after the marriage. No, after the performance or before. Oh, that's after. So you have already done your last performance. Yeah. You probably knew right here that you were no, are pretty close. I did not know. Not know I yet. I did not know till you got that three month contract. It wasn't even the three. Or proposal. It was not the three month gig. It was them telling me he's not uh. going. No ifs, ands, or buts. So if he no, could have gone, if he could have gone, yeah, I'd probably still been singing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know what? Right now or twenty years, it wouldn't have been an issue. Back then, it was an issue. Later on, like now, it wouldn't be an issue. Nobody ever think about you taking your spouse with you on tour, and no. if your job was to be a singer, yeah, it's just it is what it is. You could present an image. There's there's plenty of that you could present that I'm yeah I'll take the wedding ring off on stage but as soon as I get back it's going to be on and I'm married and it is what it is I'm not not married if y'all want to present an image but yeah that's crazy to think though that, that is that's, after the that's last how that's how it was yeah absolutely how does it feel to talk about this for the first time it's been good to reminisce about it yeah. it really has like I said. You guys are the first ones that have heard the whole story. So when you tell that story, is it fond memories? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, that's good. I it's, mean, I had a good time. It yeah. sounds amazing. I mean, seriously, that is such a... Uh, it's such a Disney story. <laughs> you do this that it's year. It's a Cinderella story. Yeah, you start with horses, then you end up on stage, and then you pick the man over then the you career, and you Conway do your twitty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so much charm along the way, and then and you have this life that you look back and you go, everything was perfect. Everything not perfect. Everything was how it needed to be. It yeah. all ended up exactly how I would want it. It's it's an awesome story. And like I said, now I'm into the gospel music, the contemporary music, and that's what I love to do. Well, have y'all uh, happened to record anything since the 
the last podcast because I know we ended on the on uh, an original. Yeah, the, we no. we played a song from your CD, the, the gospel maybe, CD, which maybe we should do again. I've got a Sharon Smith song we're going to close on. I've we, got one more. Ooh, you came prepared today, didn't you? Yeah. You had a lot of time to prepare for this con- uh, <laughs> podcast, though. I had some help. <laughs> okay, it helps. <laughs> the last song that we did here, by the way, which I loved, there is a YouTube video that you can watch on Andy Weston's page. So if you want, go check that. Uh, check out the video. Yeah, you can search Sharon Smith, and uh, there's a few songs on YouTube. And your records sell on Amazon. Did you know that? No, I didn't. And eBay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just floating around today to see what I could find. And yeah, you could find the trucking song for sale. Somebody's making money on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting. A lot of people buying old vinyl now. You know, they like to play oh, old vinyl. Oh, amazing, yeah. I mean, we listened to some uh, during dinner last night. Had put on the vinyl, a little record player. It was awesome. Yeah, it's a different sound. I'm going to have to see if I can find me a Sharon Smith CD. Record. You won't find a CD. I was going to say record, my bad. <laughs> that was record, and then came tape, and then came CD. Thanks again for coming in and talking to us. It's been great. People are going to enjoy listening to it, and I'm glad you came and uh, shared it with us for the first time. Well, thanks for letting me share my story, guys. I've enjoyed it's it. Awesome. It'll be a, a good episode to listen to. We're going to go... Uh, we're going to go out with I think you crowded me out of your world. I think that's the other song I have. So All righty. That was on Dot Records also, that's right? That's correct, yes. This is actually what the record label was singing to you as you decided not to do music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you crowded me out of your life, Sharon Smith. <laughs> All right, so uh, listeners, we're back for season two. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Top Hill Recording. And look out for Top Hill uh, sessions. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to break out Johnstone at the Odeon here soon, and I'm, I need to get a YouTube channel going. And, well, uh, and, and here's what we really need to do. We're going to put, we're going to record live music right there. So, like, Andy will be standing right there with the guitar, and then he'll just do some acoustic stuff, and we'll throw it on there. Andy and Sharon can do some of their new contemporary gospel song or two. We can throw that up on YouTube, and we, that, man, that would be fun. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I've got logos. Yeah. Thank you, Coach T. <laughs> he's, he's still supporting us. He's we the appreciate man. Coach T. All right, here we're going to go out with You Crowded Me Out of Your World. See you guys next week.
Sun.